New, new Black Wall Street Book Club. Evan Jefferson, brother, much love. Educating, elevating, because in knowledge is the power and we'll never give it up. <laughs> Literature's for the masses. Where to put your money down the how to wash your asses. Yeah, uplifting others is a passion. My brother Evan, he will turn it into action. New Black Wall Street Book Club. You should come read with us. Yeah, we comprehend and discuss. Yeah. We all just come together. There's no limit for us. Huh. Here comes your host, New Black Wall Street. Evan, take it away. New Black Wall Street Book Club. All right, my beautiful people, man. Thanks so much for joining us here again today on the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. You put in the book, we absolutely will find it. I'm ERGJ, your host, certified financial educator, CEO of ERGJ Enterprises, ERGJ Black Bazaar, and international best-selling author of the book, The Black Billionaires Club, a study of black wealth, a study of the 12 richest black people in the world today and how they built their wealth. And I just truly believe that if you want to be wealthy, that's a big if, by the way, but if you do, you should study wealthy people. Well, you can pick up the book at www.theblackbillionairesclub.com, www.theblackbillionairesclub.com. And while you're there, you might as well go ahead and, and consider joining the club. That's right. It's a club that's a, a, a full of brothers and sisters who've decided to walk away from the crowd, the crowd of broke, the crowd of complaint, the crowd of not doing much. And they said, hey, we're going to start this thing and we're going to be serious about winning and with money, serious about success and serious about helping one another to build our dreams and to accomplish our goals. And so if you're looking for a support group and you're looking to do it together, well, go ahead and make sure that you join the Black Business Club today. Well, guys, we got to get right into this thing today, guys, as we continue along our journey into the Think and Grow Rich of Black Choice. Everybody put it down slow. It's a choice. That's right. It's a choice. You can choose to keep doing what you've been doing and keep getting what you've been getting, or you can choose to do something different. You can choose to study. You can choose to read. It's a choice. Just your choice. Your choice. And so uh, where we are in this chapter 11, we're going to be finishing chapter 11 today, by the way. Uh, and it's talking about the three magic words. That's right, the three magic words. And those three magic words are right mental attitude. Right mental attitude. Right? So we're going to pick up where we are. We're going to finish this chapter today, and we're going to be into our last chapter. So it's almost time for the next book. The next book is going to be Black Titan. We're going to be reading that book uh, as we're talking about A.G. Gass and his story uh, towards uh, to, to becoming an a African-American millionaire uh, back in the day, okay? So we're going to be picking up that, that book next uh, once we get done with this book. So I think we'll be done with this book probably by Monday or Tuesday. And then I'll finish The Alchemist, and then we'll get into Black Titan, okay? So that's what we're going to do. That is what we are going to do. It's a choice. Let's read. A lesson from a child. One Saturday morning, a minister was busily trying to prepare his sermon under the most difficult conditions. His wife was out shopping. It was a rainy day, and his son, young son was restless and bored with little to do. Finally, in desperation, the minister picked up an old magazine and thumbed through it until he came to a large, brightly colored picture. It showed a map of the world. He tore the page from the magazine, ripped it into little pieces, and scattered the scraps all over the living floor with the words, Son. If you can put this page together, I'll give you a quarter. The preacher hoped this might take his son would take his son most of the morning, but within 10 minutes, he was there he was knocking on his study door. His son had completed the puzzle. The minister was amazed to see that the boy had finished the project so soon with the pieces of paper neatly arranged and the map of the world back in order. Son, how did you get that done so fast? His father asked. Oh, said the boy, it was easy. Everybody put in the console, it's easy. 
It was easy. On the other side, there was a picture of a man. I just put a piece of paper on the bottom, put the picture of the man together, put the piece of paper on top, and then turned it over. I figured that if I if I got the man right, the world would be right. Uh-oh. If I get the man right, the world will be right. Uh-oh. It's easy. You know how you fix our community? You know how we fix our community? One person at a time. If the man gets right, if the woman gets right, then the community will get right. See, one of the things I've noticed is that we're and most of us are trying to get everybody else to get right instead of us getting ourselves right. If you get right, everything else will get right. His father smiled and handed his son a quarter. Not only have you earned a quarter, but you've given me my sermon for tomorrow. If a man is right, his world will be right. There's a great lesson in this tale. If you are unhappy with your world and want to change it, the place to start is with yourself. Using the three magic words, right mental attitude, if you are right, your world will be right. Your attitude is the one thing over which you have absolute control. This is one of the most significant, inspiring facts known to man. Attitude controls the result of self-discipline and habit. Either you control your attitude or it controls you. There's no compromise. The most practical way to control your attitude is to develop the habit of staying focused on your goal. The most practical way to control your attitude is to develop the habit of staying focused on your goal. This is the starting point for the development of a right mental attitude. Study the record of any man or woman who has achieved success, and you will observe that he possessed the right mental attitude and directed his mind toward the attainment of definite objectives. Definite objectives. Uh-oh. You mean to tell me that we actually have control? We can actually control where we're headed? Yeah. Habit. They possess the right mental attitude. Call it desire, perseverance, determination, but it was the right mental attitude that provided General Colin L. Powell, the son of Jamaican immigrants, to springboard to rise to the position of chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, making him the number one military officer in all the armed forces and the first black ever to occupy that post. Said the president of General Powell's appointment, he is the model of a major staff officer, universally popular and respected within the White House. The president seems to be very comfortable with him. It took persistence, it took faith, and it took the right mental attitude to propel Robert Maynard from the streets of Bedford Stuyvesant to the office of editor-in-chief at the Oakland Tribune. Maynard has become the first black editor, publisher, and owner of a major metropolitan daily newspaper. Much of what I've learned, Maynard says, has come by watching my father, who was, was a successful businessman in his own right. He established a pattern of excellence in education, matched only by hard work, and he felt anything could be accomplished by approaching it with the right attitude. Today, Maynard is a man with his shoulder on the wheel. His mission is to continue to produce a quality newspaper that Oakland can be proud of. Family and friends tried to convince Donnie Cochran that his dream of becoming a member of Navy's prestigious flight squad, the Blue Angels, was impossible. After all, they wore no black had ever been selected to the precision flying team. Fortunately, Cochran turned a deaf ear and refused to listen to their advice. I will reach my goal. Everybody put in that comments below. I will reach my goal. He exclaimed, the only question of when, not if. 
And that was answered in 1978 when he enrolled in aviator training school. Eight years later, the barriers had fallen. Lieutenant Commander Donnie Cochran mesmerized the Navy, as well as the naysayers in his native Pelham, Georgia, when he took command of the sleek sky blue A-4 Skyhawk aircraft. The right mental attitude enabled him to tame the sky. In 1940, while working in a feed mill of 25 cents an hour, Eddie Robinson was told by men with negative minds that he wouldn't amount to much. Undeterred, Robinson ignored his critics and concentrated on his first love, coaching football. Robinson had all the tools. He was an effective motivator and a good judge of young men. Deep within his heart, he felt that if he was willing to pay the price with hard work, determination, and the right mental attitude, his chance would come. How many guys are saying, I'm willing to pay the price? Eddie Robinson said, if I am willing to pay the price, my chance will come. Robinson was right. His chance did come. Tiny Grambling University offered him his first and only coaching job. Since 1941, he's been a fixture along the sidelines. Robinson's persuasive style and leadership attracted top national talent to the small black college tucked into the Louisiana foothills. Five decades later, Eddie Robinson became college football's all-time winningest coach. When probing sports writers asked for his key to success, the coach said, it's been said that no one can really motivate anyone else. All you can do is instill a positive attitude and hope it catches on. In the 1960s, Mary Frances Berry meant to have a full say in ending the racial and sexist myths of her day. Throughout her fabled career, Mary Berry has been an apostle of self-help, a fighter for dignity, and an unrepentant lover for her race. Even as a poor black child raised in the South, she dared to question and challenge the social norms of the day. Mary Berry would not be barred from making a difference. My mother would say to me, you, Mary Francis, you're smart, she recounts, but you have a responsibility to use your mind and go as far as it will take you. Due in part to the influence of her mother, Mary Berry refused to believe that women were born with innate limitations and set out to prove her worth while studying both law and history. During the day at Howard University, she worked full-time as a lab assistant in a D.C. hospital. It was a grueling schedule that lasted four years. More than once, she was tempted to drop out because of the stress and workload. In those times of difficulty, Mary leaned against her mother's words and strong teachings. Her favorite homily homily was the words written by Paul in Romans, glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Struggle takes a long time, she says. In order to succeed, you must be armed with the right mental attitude because sometimes when it seems like you're losing, you're really winning. Sometimes when it seems like you're losing, you're really winning. Over the years, Dr. Berry has hit all her targets. As past chairman of the Commission of Civil Rights, professor of history and law, member of the bar, scholar with many published books to her credit, assistant secretary of health, education and welfare, and at 38, the first black woman to head a major college at the University of Colorado, she has been awarded more citations and honorary degrees than her office walls can hold. Let it be remembered that the sole difference between Mary Berry and her trying circumstances was this. Dr. Berry had a mind and controlled it through the use of a right mental attitude. This alone gave her strength 
and the wings to carry her to success. The three magic words, the right mental attitude. Change your attitude and you'll change your life. Everybody put that in the comments below. Change my attitude and I'll change my life. When a person develops the right mental attitude, he has already placed himself on the road to what he seeks. He has prepared the ground and planted the seed. He has made himself the embodiment of what he wants to become and is using one of life's most precious gifts. The story of Bill Denby illustrates how it works. As a young man, Bill Denby didn't seem to have the stuff of which success is made. He grew up poor on Maryland's Eastern Shore and was a country boy at heart. A basketball fanatic in high school, he hoped to play professionally. But when the guidance counselor told, guidance counselor told him he wasn't college material, he took a job making batteries at a nearby manufacturing plant. In 1970, he was drafted. A year later, Denby's basketball hopes came to an abrupt end. On March 26, 1971, on a road outside Quang Tree, a Viet Cong rocket blew up the truck he was driving. The 24-year-old Army private from Prince, Maryland, never saw it coming. It was like a quarter hit the side of the door. There was a ping sound, he recalls. All I remember is smoke filling the truck, and I saw my left leg on the floor. Denby was helicoptered to the 95th Evacuation Hospital. There, minutes later, his left leg already severed below the knee. Uh, there, later, his left leg already severed below the knee. Doctors amputated his right leg after seeing that his foot had been so badly crushed as to make the leg useless. In the helicopter on the way to the hospital, Denby remembers wondering how my family would react, whether they would accept me. I knew I wasn't going to change inside. I knew I wasn't going to change inside, but society judges you physically. If any family held up, if my family held up, so would I. But he did change. Back home, he spent a year at the Walter Reed Army Hospital. And when he left, he began drinking heavily as well as experimenting with drugs. One night, after one such binge, he hit rock bottom when he passed out on his mother's couch. When I woke up, Dimby said, I found my mother and sister clutching each other and crying. They told me I had said I was going to kill somebody. That's when I decided to turn my life around. That's when I decided to turn my life around. Now, I don't know who might be watching this at this point in time, but you can make a decision too. Hopefully, it doesn't come to the point where you have to hit rock bottom. But you can make a decision to turn your life around right now. It's a choice. Sports became Denby's rehab. He learned to ski while at Walter Reed, and in 1974 took up wheelchair basketball, playing in arena tournaments. He found that participation in athletics gave him the self-confidence he needed to move ahead in other areas as well. And then it all came together. He was in Tennessee in 1987 at one such tournament sponsored by the U.S. Amputee Athletic Association when he was invited to audition for a DuPont commercial. The chemical firm had expanded its research into highly resilient plastics, the type that are used in prostheses, making artificial limbs lifelike. Denby became one of the original testers of the new prosthesis called the Seattle Foot, developed for the U.S. Veterans Administration. The foot made with DuPont Delrin acetal resin 
was more flexible than the limbs didn't be used previously because the new prostheses work in the same manner muscles move, storing and releasing energy as a real foot does. They gave him the freedom to move and jump. This cleared the way for Denby to play stand-up basketball again. DuPont sent representatives of his advertising agency to the amputee tournament. Denby and four other disabled men wearing prostheses played basketball with personnel from the ad agency looking on. After a series of informal interviews, Denby was told that he had been selected from the five to be the star of the DuPont spot. However, Denby was far from thrilled. Hesitant at first, he, was never, he had never exposed his artificial limbs to the public and seemed genuinely embarrassed, but in the end, he consented. The TV commercial was shot on a basketball court in New York City. It showed Denby holding his own in a rough-and-tumble game in able-bodied players and took, a, and took a day to produce. The agency quickly put the commercial together while Denby, totally exhausted, flew back to Maryland. A month later, the spot aired on the national network to change his life forever. Bill Denby can't jump as well as he did when he was averaging 16 points a game for his high school basketball team in 1969, nor can he dribble past would-be defenders as he did against other 18-year-olds. But through steel-like determination and the right mental attitude, Bill Denby has changed lives. One such magic moment happened on the streets near his home. One day, a stranger approached me. He told me that he had fallen to bad times and explained the details of his difficulties. He had lost his job and his family had left him. He said that life had turned his back and he was giving up hope until he saw my story on TV. Seeing me in that commercial, he said, turning him around, turned him around. He thanked me for changing his life. Though it happens all the time, I never get used to it. I walked away, I walked away so he wouldn't see me cry. Denby's inspiration and motivation have since become sought after. Ironically, after being told he wasn't college material, he enrolled in college and finished. He has grown accustomed to the public recognition, lifting spirits wherever he goes. He has also expanded his athleticism to include other sports, running, track and field, and drag racing. Perhaps one of his most commendable activities is his involvement in programs like the Disability Awareness Project and the National Handicap Sports and Recreation Association. He brings much-needed attention to the nation's largest minority group, disabled Americans. Fortunately, not everyone is faced with problems as severe as Bill Denby's. There's a lesson in this story. No one will ever know the number of lives he has touched. Thousands are facing their rehabilitation efforts with greater determination and courage because of his inspiration. Let each of us look inward to make sure that we give of ourselves. We must give of our time. We must give of our support. We must give of our love. We must give of our attitude. Before metal can be cast into a desired shape, the mold must first be fashioned. Before a building can be erected, the excavation must be constructed and a foundation put in place. Before a person can achieve the kind of life he desires, he must become that kind of individual. Everybody put in the console, I must become. Let me read this again. Before metal can be cast into a desired shape, the mold must first be fashioned. Before a building can be erected, the excavation must be constructed and the foundation put in place. Before a person can achieve the kind of life he desires, he must become that kind of individual. He must think, act, talk, walk, and conduct himself in all of his affairs as would the person he wishes to become in the spirit of a right mental attitude. 
He is then actually that person. And the things that person would have and do will naturally come to him. Now I'll say it this way. In order for you and I to have the things of our dreams, we must become the person of our dreams. Let me say it again. In order for you and I to have the things of our dreams, we must become the person of our dreams. We must become. It's the same reason why I say we don't chase money, billionaires. Money chases us. What we're chasing is becoming the person we need to become. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. As you think about whatever it is that you say that you want, whatever it is, a lot of times you think about the thing, you don't think about the becoming. We think about the thing, the stuff that we hold, the, the car that we drive, the house that we live in. We think about the stuff. We don't think about the becoming. What are the characteristics that you must uncover, that you must work on in order to become? And then naturally, the things that you want will come to you. The book says that a man's gift will make room for him. You must become. What lies ahead? It's true. A right mental attitude takes effort. It takes patience and practice to gain and maintain. But a definite purpose, a clear thinking, creative vision, action and persistence all applied with enthusiasm and faith will go far to help you achieve and maintain a positive and upbeat attitude. Remember, if the man is right, his world will be right. If the man is right, his world will be right. What lies ahead? All that you desire. Begin now to acquire the right mental attitude by using the following mind conditions. Number one, it is your attitude toward life that will determine life's attitude towards you. Feed your mind with positive, nourishing thoughts just as you feed your body with nourishing food. Program your mind with faith, hope, and enthusiastic expectation. Replace every doubt with a faith stronger than doubt. It is your attitude toward life that will determine life's attitude towards you. If you think it's hard, life is hard. You think it's easy? Life is easy. You're right. Number two, overcome negative thinking or negative mental attitudes. You must overcome. Everybody put in console, overcome. Got to strengthen your mind. Your basic thought should be I can and if I know I can. I can if I know I can. Negative thoughts will produce negative results while positive thinking draws positive experiences into your life. Number three, before you can achieve the type of life you desire, you must become the type of individual you desire to be. 
You must think, act, talk, walk, and conduct yourself in your affairs as would the person you wish to become. Overcome any sense of inferiority. An inferiority complex is, after all, only a mental outlook on life. It is merely a denial that there is a power greater than you, a power great enough to overcome any obstacle. Before you can achieve the type of life you desire, you must become the type of individual you desire to be. Number four, radiate the attitude of well-being and confidence. Everybody put in comments on radiate. Radiate the attitude of well-being and confidence. The person who knows where he is going will soon find that good things just seem to happen. The person who knows where he is going will soon find that good things just seem to happen. All the time. Number five, make prayer and affirmative meditation a part of your life. Prayer is not something that should be reserved for life's emergencies. Your entire life should be a prayer. Pray as if everything depended on God and act as if everything depends on you. Pray as if everything depends on God and act as if everything depends on you. Number six, the deepest craving of human beings is to be needed, to feel important, to be appreciated. Give appreciation and others will return appreciation to you. Give appreciation and others will return appreciation to you. Number seven, part of the right mental attitude is to look for the best in new ideas. Innovate, create, and search for new ideas. Number eight, don't waste your time discussing personal problems. It probably won't help you and cannot help others. Everybody put it down, so don't waste my time. As I continue to grow and I continue to develop and I continue to, continue to just hit this thing, I, I've learned to stop wasting my time on personal problems. I, I totally agree with this. Because it's nothing but a pity party. I can turn, I can change my personal problems into, 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 into opportunities. I can turn those things around just like that by changing the way I think about it anyway. So why even talk about it? It's a waste of time. I, I want to say this, that once you begin to really value your time, once you, once you really conceptualize that time is your most precious asset, you can never get it back. You start wasting your time on this frivolous, this fruitless, this idle chatter, you stop wasting your time. Matter of fact, you stop, first you stop wasting your time, and then you don't allow, everybody put it down, so do not allow, you do not allow other people to waste your time. You don't allow the people who go procrastinate to waste your time. You don't, you don't let them make you feel guilty because you got to go. I'm telling you, once you take your time, you say, this is all I got is my time, and it's so valuable to me, I'm not going to waste my time, and I'm not going to allow you to waste my time. 
You ever go somewhere, especially these uh, these what they call the quote unquote organizations? They got meetings all the time. You supposed to go to the meeting. It's supposed to be an hour long. You sit. You end up fight. You go to the meeting because you want to support. The hours two. The meeting is two hours long. As if you ain't got nothing to do after the meeting, and then you kind of feel bad. Like you knew you wanted to go an hour ago, but you want to stay there because you want to support. But it's like, damn, y'all said it's only an hour. Why are we still here? Don't let other people waste your time. I will walk out. Okay, hour. I got to go. If y'all couldn't say what y'all had to say and have come to an agreement or whatever for uh, 60 minutes, which we had planned, I planned my day. I planned my life. Y'all don't plan y'all's. I got to go. Fill me in. Send me an email. Let me know what happened after I left because I got things to do. You don't allow other people to waste your time. It's all you got. Let the other people waste their time all day. They don't do it anyway. Let them waste their time. I'm telling you, the person who doesn't value time typically doesn't value money, and they're typically broke. They don't see the connection between the way I use my time and the way I use my money. It's typically the same. Whew. <laughs> Number nine. For the next 30 days, treat everyone, and I mean everyone, with whom you come in contact as the most important person on earth. If you do this for 30 days, you'll do this the rest of your life. I'm telling you, just think about it. If someone treated you like you was the most important person on earth, how'd that make you feel? And then when you think about how it makes you feel, what did that make you want to do for that person? I mean, I mean, they, you want to do it. You want to make sure that the person that's making you feel like you are the most important person on earth, you want you will do anything for them. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, it ain't too many people that make me feel like I'm the most important person on earth. But the people who do, oh Lord, I mean, I will go the I'll go the distance. They need anything, they can call me for anything. Cause you just make me feel like I'm the most important person on earth. Let's just keep it real. It's something about feeling like you are important to somebody else. You'll do whatever it takes to keep that feeling going on in your life. Now, if you understand how it feels for you, what if you do that for everybody? else that you meet there's no way you can keep money from coming into your storehouse these people don't even want it they don't listen these people don't even want your stuff but they just want to spend with you because you make them feel good they don't want that stuff they don't want to use it they just say i'm just gonna buy something just to support you just because you got a good attitude just because you make me feel so good i got to give you something matter of fact can i make a donation i mean because you just make me feel like i'm the most important person on earth i got to give you my money why would i give it to the people who make me feel bad that doesn't make sense i'm gonna give it to the people that make me feel good What do you think is going to happen to your income if you spend the next 30 days treat everybody that you meet like they're the most important person in the world? Think about it. 
What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen to your income? What do you think is going to happen to your uh, to your contacts? What do you think is going to happen to your referrals? What do you think is going to happen if you just treat everybody, and I mean everybody? It's like they're the most important person in the world. I go to the bank today, drive up in the drive-thru. Lady says hello. I give her my attention. Hello. Brings her boss. Says hello. I say hello. They see my little signs. Hey, you got a sister? Yeah, I do. What do you want? What do you mean what I want? Well, what do you want? You're looking for something. You see you're looking. Well, you know, I said, what do you use? Oh, well, I use this, peppermint. Oh, okay. Did you, you want some peppermint? Well, I can't afford I did not ask you if you can afford it right now. I just want to know if you want it. Don't be blocking your blessings. Look, give me an opportunity to bless you today. I'm in the drive-thru. I get out, get my peppermint, put a little card in there, boom, drop it out, $5 off. But I'm making them what? Feel good. Now I just had an opportunity to bless them both. Do you don't think that they're going to come back and say, this is where I got it from. I want to get some more. We're going to be, we're going to buy three, four, five things from you. I do this all day long. And money never stops chasing me. Let's go through this one more time and wrap this up. So here are the things you want to uh, you want to start following. Begin now, acquire the right mentality by using the following mind conditions. So these are mind conditions. Maybe just say every time I was at work and someone came to me for help, I stopped and focused as if they were the most important person in the world. I kept reminding myself of this versus multitasking. Now let me. Oh, let me. I'm glad you said that, Mary. By the way, you got a great last name too. By the way. So think about this. What does it feel like? I remember I remember going through this phase. And I was like, you know, because now we're all doing all this multitasking and stuff. We might be on the phone, but we might be checking Instagram or texting somebody else at the same time. How do you think that makes the other person feel? I think we all may be guilty of it, but I'm just saying we just get to Because I used to I like, man, I call somebody like my sister or whoever, my family member. Ain't talked to him in a while. Call him. Like, hey, I'm just calling to check on you. See how you're doing. Oh, I'm doing okay. Cool. Well, shoot. I just pop out. We're going to chop it up. But then when you start talking, you start realizing they got all this stuff going on in the background. They're cooking. They're doing this. They mess with the kids. Like, hey, well, it seems like you're busy. Do I need to come? Should we call back? No, I'm not busy. Well, clearly you're busy. When's the last time you gave someone your undivided attention? When's the last time you literally just said, you know, no social media right now. I want to give you my all. And I want, I want to make sure that you realize that you're the most important person in the world to me right now. What do you think is going to happen if you start doing that? Huh? What do you think is going to happen? Somebody tell me. Please indulge me for a minute. What will happen in your business? What will happen in your relationships? What will happen in your community? What will happen on your job if you simply treat everybody else that you meet like they're the most important person in the world? What do you think is going to happen for you? Huh? What do you think is going to happen for you? Everybody has this desire to feel appreciated. Everybody has the desire to feel needed. Everybody has a desire to feel like they are important. And you provide that? What do you think is going to happen for you? We start giving people what they want. And that's one of the things that they want most. I'm telling you, I just I figured it out. It became easy to make money 
because I start giving people what they wanted most. What's one thing that most people want? They want to know how to make more money. So I give it to them. What's another thing they want? They want to feel appreciated. So I give it to them. And what do you think has happened to my bank account? What do you think is happening in my wallet? What do you think has happened? It's impossible to keep money from flowing to you when you simply make every person, and I mean everybody, feel like they're the most important person in the world. Huh? 30 days. 30 days. Now, here's the deal. Question is, are you willing to do it? See, this is where rubber meets the road. Like, I, I, I see what he recommends that I do. It's just a book to some people. To some people, no, it ain't a book. It's a guide. I mean, it depends on what it is to you. But are you willing to do a 30-day test just to see what happens? Now, for some, you might say, I want to do it, but you're going to have to remember to do it because you heard about it now. You ain't wrote it down. Tomorrow, tonight comes, you go to sleep, you wake up, forgot all about it. Thirty days. How many? How many? How many people are willing to take the thirty-day uh, uh, most important person in the world challenge? Uh, how many guys say I'm, I'm, I'm down for that challenge? You know all these other stupid challenges that don't bring us nothing money back into our life, but we got something now that's going to deal with improvement. Something now that's going to deal with personal development. Something now that's going to deal with discipline. Something now that's establishing a good habit. How many guys say I'm ready for the thirty-day most important person in the world challenge? The most important person in the world. Jeffrey said, I accept. I count me in on this one. I mean, cause I, I know that shit. I'm ready to see what happened in my life. That 30 days. I make this happen for the rest of my life. Right? 30 days. Vivian said, that's easy and natural for me. Mary Jeff, I, I accept. I started last night. <laughs> I said last night. 30 days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, being honest, I, I got to deprogram myself from this multitasking stuff. I ne probably never even looked at it like I'm just not giving my all to whoever it is that I'm in connection with at this point in time. I just need to, you know what, how, how much how much more important is the stuff that I'm doing versus the person? And I'm trying to tell you, I, I, I'm still working on it, but I, I really made it a, a point to really, you guys saw it yesterday when the young buck was on, right? I stopped what I was doing. And I made him feel like he was the most important person in the world because he was, and he is. See, people are more important to me than my programs. I will stop what I'm doing to help somebody else. What I'm doing can wait. He can come back. I can come back to that. That might be the last time I get an opportunity to make a difference or make a change or make an impact in somebody's life. The 30-day most important person in the world challenge. <laughs> Woo! Man. This. Oh, I'm supposed to go back through this again. Okay, let's go back to this. I'm sorry. Number one, it's your attitude towards life that will determine life's attitude towards you. Number two, overcome negative thinking or negative or negative mental attitudes. Number three, before you can achieve the type of life you desire, you must become the type of individual you desire to be. Number four, radiate the attitude of well-being and confidence. 
Number five, make prayer and affirmation, meditation, and affirmative meditation a part of your life. Number six, the deepest craving of human beings is to be needed, to feel important, and to be appreciated. Notice it said needed, important, and appreciated. It didn't say to be loved. Notice that. The, most, the deepest craving of human beings is to be needed, to feel important, and to be appreciated. He did not say the most important thing is for them to be loved. Notice that terminology there. Notice that. To feel needed or to be needed, to feel important, and to be appreciated. Number seven, part of the, the right mental attitude, part of the right mental attitude is to look for the best in new ideas. Look for the best. Don't shun these new ideas. Don't say, oh, it cannot work. Don't, don't do that. Look for the best in the new ideas. Number eight, don't waste your time. Oh, I just stop right there. Don't waste your time discussing personal problems. Number nine, for the next 30 days, treat everyone with whom you come in contact as the most important person in the world. This is a new Black Wall Street book club where black folk do read. You put in a book, we absolutely will find it. In the comments below, I'd like for you to share something that you learned today, something that stood out to you, something that made you change just a little bit, said, I, I'm going to think different about this. In other words, I'm asking you, was this worth your time and why? What makes the difference? See, we're not just here just to be entertained. We're not here just to read a book. We're, I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to make an impact. I'm here to help you be the best you you can be. Right? Was this worth your time and why? You're absolutely right. Those things are a form of love. But a lot of times when we just say love, we don't get to the specifics of what that is. That's why I said it's important. It's, it's, it's interesting that he used those, those three words versus just saying love, which encompasses so much. He broke it down and said, these things. I'll tell you, as a man, I'm just going to be straight up with you. When somebody tell me they love me, that's great. When somebody tell me they appreciate me, that's better. You appreciate my efforts. You appreciate me uh, trying to 